You're listening to the On The Go With VAO News Podcast for the week ending October 21st, 2016. And welcome to the podcast, a weekly recap of the top headlines from the daily acquisition news. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dara Curran, content developer and news writer. And I'm Allison Cartwright, fellow news writer. Federal agencies could save $87 billion just by taking the advice of their friendly neighborhood inspectors general, according to a report released by the Senate Judiciary and Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committees. There are over 15,000 IG recommendations still open, which could result in big money, lawmakers noted. Inspectors had pointed to things like funds being paid out to expired contracts and not reviewing invoices as avenues to reap back taxpayer dollars. DOD had the most potential money at stake, while the Department of Housing and Urban Development had the largest number of outstanding recommendations. Committee Chairs Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley hope some of the issues identified in the report could be solved with the passage of the Inspector General Empowerment Act of 2015, which would, among other provisions, empower IGs to issue testimonial subpoenas to federal government contractors, subcontractors, and grantees. The White House has launched a new goal of having federal civilian agencies obtain one gigawatt of energy from renewable sources by 2021. The military in 2012 had started working on a collective goal of sourcing three gigawatts of clean energy by 2025. They are moving ahead rapidly on that, with the Navy already having met its one gigawatt goal, and that's nearly 10 years ahead of schedule. This new initiative rolls the environmentally friendly energy out to civilian counterparts and would involve installing renewable energy on federal land, using power purchase agreements for solar development, and procuring bundled green energy. The General Services Administration is racking up best-in-class contracting and acquisition designations. Its government-wide charge card contracts, the GSA SmartPay 2 and the forthcoming SmartPay 3, have been added to its list of contracts and vehicles to receive the designation from the Office of Management and Budget. This recognition means that GSA SmartPay 2 and 3 are good for federal use, with the vehicles already supporting over 350 organizations and agencies with charge card and payment services. The Defense Innovation Unit Experimental awarded 12 contracts totaling $36.3 million to innovative commercial technology companies in the last quarter of fiscal year 2016 at an award speed of 59 days after initial proposal. The streamlined contracting mechanism DIUX uses, known as Commercial Solutions Opening, allows for flexible and negotiable contracts that attract smaller companies that are new to contracting with the Defense Department. All DOD components can use this contracting method and probably should as it turns innovations and speeds up the award process. Defense Procurement and Acquisition Policy Director Claire Grady released a class deviation regarding competition for nonprofit organizations bidding on contracts for religious related services at U.S. military installations. Effective immediately, contracting officers must not use any authorities for other than full and open competition to acquire religious-related services to be performed on U.S. military installations, and the deviation must be included in solicitations for any religious-related services acquisitions set aside for small business concerns and in solicitations following FAR Part 12 for the acquisition of commercial items. 
On the regulatory front, the Environmental Protection Agency has withdrawn a July 28, 2016 direct final rule amending its disadvantaged business enterprise program after receiving comments potentially construed as adverse. The agency plans to address the comments in a subsequent final action, but they are not going to offer another comment period. The original rule had revised Code of Federal Regulations Title 40, Part 33, and included things like establishing a self-certification platform, updating the exemption threshold for fair share negotiations from $250,000 to $1 million, and changing DBE reporting for all recipients to an annual basis. DOD today issued two proposed and three final rules amending the DFARS. The proposed rules would provide a more transparent means to document the impact of costs incurred during the undefinitized period of an undefinitized contract action, and it would strengthen the management and accountability of government furnished property. Comments on the proposed rules will be accepted until December 20th. The final rules effective immediately reduce the number of fraud, waste, and abuse hotline posters required to be displayed and implement NDAA provisions regarding contract reporting of network penetrations and department cloud computing purchase policies. The third final rule made editorial changes. All right, so discussion today. Allison, you went to the almost all day long FedScoop Fed Talks event this week. All the big IT folks were there. How was it? Was it awesome? Was it super interesting? What yeah, went on? no, it was a lot of fun. Uh, FedScoop really put on a great event. Cool. U.S. CIO Tony Scott was there, NSA Director Mike Rogers, Congressman Jer- Jerry Connolly, Brigadier General Greg Tuil. They were all some of the people that spoke, and it was, um, yeah, it was a great time. There were no big program developments or specific details mentioned. Overall, they were just talking about the the future of the federal cyber environment. Some uh-huh. of the things that they were concerned with was the changing administration. Sure, sure. Uh, agile project management and having a more customer-centric approach to IT along with the agile uh, management. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so uh, when it came to the changing administration, a lot of people a lot of the speakers were worried about what that will mean for IT initiatives. Mm. So Ann Duncan, the CIO of EPA, Congressman Jerry Connolly, and Laverne Council, the CIO of uh, Veterans Affairs, they really stressed the need for continuity. Mm-hmm. So that cybersecurity and IT modernization efforts already in motion don't um, fall by the wayside and all the work that is already put in isn't wasted. Mm-hmm. So, Ann Duncan said that because most CIOs are not politically appointed, a lot of people will stay, even though mm-hmm. she's one of the politically appointed ones and will be leaving. And uh, Congressman Jerry Connolly, he was saying that U.S. CIO Tony Scott really needs to stay because he's afraid that this changing administration will make all progress on IT efforts, lose momentum, because basically the new administration will have to start all over again. But uh, Duncan said that for any of the departments that are affected by the changing administration, they just need to prepare. And that would mean having a transition team in place and also institutionalizing initiatives so that when the new administration takes hold, they can just continue the previous one's work. 
Absolutely. I've read before that the, the best insurance against having your existing projects derailed is to just document the living heck out of them. Bury people with paperwork and you scare them away from having to redo all that work and they'll just be like, all right, carry on. So that right. <laughs> sounds it's... like that was theory being perpetrated <laughs> again there. So, okay, great. What yeah. else? Yeah. Um, and so also she, um, Duncan, wanted to assure everybody that cybersecurity is a bi- bipartisan issue. So that no matter who who becomes president, it will be a main concern for everyone. Sure. Um, but so looking ahead, a lot of the speakers talked about the need for agile management, uh, particularly USCIO Tony Scott and president of RSA Security Amit Yaron touched on this in their speeches that the way of doing things, this traditional paradigm of this is how we operate this is our organizational structure and these are our compliance requirements in the end is going to make agencies more vulnerable to cyber threats and cyber inferiority Mm. um yeah so uh, scott had a quote that i thought was really jarring that the legacy systems and the organizational charts that many agencies bind themselves to are a dead horse that we need to dismount (laughs) right i read that in the article about it i was like well that's that's vivid Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it's it's true. So, um, they he said that in order to dismount this horse, we, CIOs really need to take um, risks with cyber initiatives, and mm-hmm. and we need to empower CIOs to take those risks, or they can't adapt to what the mission demands. Uh, RSA S- Security President Yoren he mentioned that, um, and I thought this made complete sense that our federal technologies are evolving. But that means so are our adversaries, and so if we if we don't want to fall, if agencies don't want to fall behind in the extremely rapidly changing cyber environment, then agile management needs to take place so we can uh, stay one step ahead of cyber attackers and adversaries. Definitely, yeah. It, it it's also I, one thing I was struck by when I was reading your coverage of the event. Um, Empowering CIOs and 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 really kind of viewing this differently is going to be crucial because in a way the more weaknesses you find in your IT networks, the better your program is, obviously, because you're finding the weaknesses. But mm-hmm. the more weaknesses you find, I mean, how many lawmakers are going to be like, well, we need to have a congressional inquiry about why they're finding so many weaknesses, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. you need to flip what the um, performance measurements are with this and also the expectations, because right now people are, the key to getting this all working right is everybody not being afraid to say, hey, we found a hole or hey, we've mm-hmm. detected an intrusion nobody wants to get blamed right now but like industry and agencies everybody needs to be like free to put their hand up without without being worried about repercussions that was actually something that uh congressman jerry connolly mentioned that i thought was um a really good point to make that congress needs to not use um what did he say i think he called it uh he said political temptation for when um, an initiative goes wrong. Mm. So, so not yet CIOs are too worried about getting blamed for, for anything going wrong, that they don't take these risks. And because they're not taking risks, they're, um, they're not advancing in the way that they need to. Okay. So, well, that's great, Allison. This is, I will, 
we're going to revisit this like as as the part two of this next week because this event like had just so much good information we can't like cover it all in one podcast sitting so uh we will resume with the culture changes that they want to see happen next week so anyway we will uh, sit with bated breath awaiting that that's all for this week If you're a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, you can read more about any of the covered stories on the same VAO page where you downloaded this podcast. So tune in again next Friday to catch up on all the latest developments from the Daily Acquisition News and Allison's Part 2 of the Fed Talks event. Goodbye.